everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. I love that no one else can hear that lady but us. <laughs> Recording in progress. Take a private joke. PVJ. I'm really not with it today. I have no energy, but we'll just see how this goes. Emma, how are you? How's your day? Oh, it's been fun. I'm just really wet. <laughs> like, and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, post office trips. I went to the post office in the rain. <laughs> a letter and now I'm back and here we are who did you send a letter to my solicitor oh fair <laughs> this guy <laughs> <out> in Mexico <laughs> my Mexican family <laughs> my pen pal uh okay bear with I'm gonna get up the questions post if, if there's nothing on the live we'll, we'll start with that yeah that might be a good place to start do you have any admin or anything I don't think I have any admin. Um, I thought a point, so we were voice noting yesterday and I thought a point that we were talking about might be quite relevant to people, which is that I was moaning, well moaning, I was saying that I felt a little bit overwhelmed. And the thing that- You weren't really, moaning if at all. You were like, this is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. I never feel this emotion. Yeah. <laughs> and I was saying that the thing that really helped me was telling myself that I actually didn't have to do any of it. And- that's true for everyone. I know you might be like, no, but you're self-employed and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to look after your family. You don't have to do any of it. You can do none of it. There will be consequences. There are consequences to everything you do. But as soon as you give, like, go to the extreme and be like, I don't have to do any of this stuff. I certainly don't have to do any of it today. Then you, then you can choose to do it. And I think it probably depends on your mindset because I think some people psychology wise if you tell them that they can give up if you give them that space to give up they do give up mm. whereas other people are like oh okay now that you've taken the pressure off and I think we see this quite a lot with fat loss like now you've taken the pressure off like I don't have to diet mm. you don't have to stick to your diet over the weekend like don't put any pressure on yourself to do that you, you're choosing to if that's what you want to do you are choosing to and that's so much more empowering than feeling like trapped into having to do something which you inevitably start to resent yeah, and I, I loved it. And I, I counted it and I said, I get that with my anxiety. Like I get sometimes quite bad social anxiety. And a lot of the time I'll be like, I'll just say to myself, okay, I'll just cancel. No, sometimes that's the worst thing I can say. But a lot of the time I'll say it to myself. And a lot of the time I'm like, no, 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 I don't want, I'm, doing, I'm going to this thing for a reason. Like I said, yes, in the beginning for a reason. And then immediately, as Emma said, like it takes the sting out of like, okay, so I'm going. So shut the fuck up and, and like do it. Um, and that's me talking to myself. Jesus, <laughs> so aware that I'm yeah, I mean, that's like, that's how I would talk to myself as well. And I think it's so true with social stuff. Like yeah. the same, it's like, if you're worried about going, but okay, well then don't go. You're like, okay, well that, then you kind of realize, oh shit, I did want to go. It's yeah. like, oh my God, I'm back to the Friends reference. You're going to be so impressed with this. It was like in Friends when I can't remember who and who, 
but maybe Rachel was pregnant. I don't know. And then she was like, it's not like it, it, it's you're not pregnant. And then she was really upset. And then she's yeah. like, you are pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. And you 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 do kind of it forces you to into like a, a, a very realistic view um, instead of this kind of either, I guess, martyrdom or kind of like Emma saying, this feeling of huge pressure that you have to do something. A lot of the time it's it's actually the reason why you've committed to it in the first place, even if you're having a bad day or a bad moment with it. And that happens to all of us. But the reason you fucking chose to do it in the first place is because you actually really do want the result. I have this with I had this with a one-to-one client last week who was saying to me like, you know, it was just being really like, oh, everything's just so hard. And I've talked about this before. This was a different client. And I came back and I said, okay, I want to switch the goal. Because like you're 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 basically telling me that you're fucking miserable. And this girl is not getting on stage. She's already in good shape. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And she came back, she's like, no, 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 no. I was moaning. I was having a meltdown. I'm sorry, I did it. And there's a difference. You know, you can tell with clients when they really are just having a moment. And you can tell with clients when it's just the wrong goal. And she was in the former camp and it was like, okay, cool. And now she's flying. And it's this, this Emma and I always say this, and we all we always will say it how you view this how you check yourself throughout this process is going to determine whether or not you a enjoy it b can see it through to the end um and c get the results you actually want out of it if you hate every day and you kind of are choosing to hate every day even though you said you wanted what was at the end of it of course you're going to throw in the towel and then you've wasted how many weeks of your life yeah i think that's such a good coaching point of just like then give up Mm-hmm. If you want it then give up and then then it's like oh no wait I do want it and okay so if you do want it you're choosing it that's your choice no one's forcing this on you okay yeah I am choosing it it's a completely different mindset okay we have a couple of questions here first one hi Clemmer is it possible to have false weight loss on the scales when ill I've seen two drops this week and have the most awful cold I am eating my calories and trying to get my steps in, but I'm shattered and my training is out until I feel better. Not complaining about the loss though. Um, not if it's a common cold. If, if you're, you know, if you've got the runs, <laughs> I'm sure I could have phrased that better. If you've got the runs or you're or you're sick, if you've got a funny tummy, then yes, of course, because you're you're losing um, p- potentially food and water. Um, however, if you've just got a common cold, no, um, if, if you're sticking to, to everything, like the, the calories, it's likely, uh, going to be as a result of the rest, reduced inflammation from training, especially if you've just started the program, um, and a reduced kind of uh, water retention from that inflammation from training. Um, and you know, it's, it's tricky to say hormonally because, you know, you're poorly, which is put, put your body into another kind of type of stress. But if you are resting and catching up on sleep, seeing hormonal shifts, which will see you drop water weight. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it would be false if you're really sticking to your, your cal- calorie intake. Um, and if it's not a tummy bug. Yeah, someone posted on the group almost about this, actually, because they've gone right back to the start. A lot of people have done this, gone right back to the start of the podcast and started listening. And she was saying that one thing that really resonated with her when we were talking about why we go for lowest weight of the week as opposed to average and by the way most coaches don't do that they will take into account your average which to me doesn't really make any sense even though it was just what we did for years like everybody did that it was just I do until we had a chat about it 
yeah and I used to do it until I was like that doesn't make any sense what so why like if you have one random peak because you've had salty meal a salty meal or something it doesn't mean that your weight that your fat loss which is what we're trying to crudely estimate by your weight would be any different so what's much more telling is your lowest weight and she was saying that that really struck a chord when we were talking about how you can have like essentially false well no it's not false like you weigh what you weigh right it's not the weight that's wrong it's yeah so you could have like a scale weight fluctuation that was much higher than would truly represent what was going on in terms of body fat changes but it's very unlikely to have a scale weight fluctuation that is lower than what's going on in regards to body um, body fat changes. And that's because unless, as Chloe said, like unless you're massively dehydrated, so this could happen in a couple of situations. If you have the runs, if you've been vomiting, if, you, if you're dehydrated maybe after a night out or something, potentially. Oh, after a big night of drinking, this, for me, this, if I haven't been like shoveling food down, down my throat, you know, pissed, the scale will always drop, yeah. And I look tighter until about lunchtime the next day when all that water weight comes rushing back so that and then potentially like if you've done something like hot yoga like obviously that will indicate that you're just dehydrated but generally taking the lowest weight of the week is much more representative and that's the reason why that it's very hard to get like a an abnormally low measure on the scales that isn't indicative of genuine fat loss I think with Kim, what could be happening is, as Chloe's saying, like what can happen if you stop exercising is you store less glycogen in your muscle, which again, holds some water retention with it, um, less inflammation. So that could be one of the reasons that you weigh slightly less or you've just lost some body fat. Yeah. Or a perfect storm of all of the above. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And do you know what the most likely outcome? A little bit of all of that. Like, Always. Always. Yeah. I hate it, you know, I hate it when clients say, this isn't the, it's not the client, it's this kind of idea like, oh, it's my first week and I've lost five pounds and I know it's all water weight, so I'm not taking it seriously. I'm like, it's not all water weight, You're like five pounds of water weight is significant. Like, no. Yeah, it's what not- are you, a camel? Yeah, exactly. A percentage is likely water weight, but not the entirety of it. And you should celebrate, even if you, you know, and we, the, another good reason why it's a good idea to take your, your lowest weekly weight is not only for practical reasons, but also for psychological reasons, you know. Weighing in, you know, we do, Emma and I do our best to try and get you guys to be very rational around the, the scales. And, you know, from posts we put on Instagram, posts we put in the group, shit that we repeat ad nauseum on the, on the podcast, we try really hard. But, you know, it, we'd be lying if we said that every round we don't have multiple clients who struggle with them. You know, and, and and it does make sense, you know, and, and what we what we want to do if you do get if you do take that lowest weekly weight is we also want to make you see like your efforts are going to good use. You know, you should celebrate your small wins um, and, and crack on. But then, you know, it's tricky because on the other side of the coin, we're like, by the way, they're not going to drop every week, even if you are losing body fat. And oh, by the way, they're going to probably rise at this point. But, you know, fuck it. Take, you know, what are they like rose tinted glasses? Take what you can, take momentum where you can and go with it. Well, yeah, but, and even then, what we're looking at is lowest weekly weight over months. That's what shows fat loss, not this week compared to last week, necessarily. Yeah. Short term, yeah. a little bit. Um, that's interesting what you were saying about the first week and when people lose a load of water weight. And it's funny because when people lose weight overnight, that this is like the negativity bias like to a t they're they're like oh it's definitely just water weight and then when they put on weight overnight that's fat 
yeah <laughs> nope that's 100% fat if I lose weight no 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 probably just water if I gain weight 100% fat even though you know that like you're in a deficit trying to lose body fat and what's much more likely is you've lost body fat and I think people get confused about this as well so if you lose weight overnight which inevitably will happen like as much as we say you can't lose fat overnight you, you can't lose a, a huge amount of fat overnight you can lose weight overnight and what's happening is your fat loss is coming to fruition on the scales right at some point that will happen and it might and it often does look like quite a big jump from like the day before when you weighed two I don't know two pounds more and then you drop two pounds overnight just because it's been like a brief period of time it doesn't mean that that's not body fat it just means like you haven't lost two pounds of fat overnight but it's shown up on the scales overnight yeah that's kind of the difference we had this with Jenny today who was saying um no I'm pretty sure like my fat loss is now stalled like did it? And I was saying it'd been two weeks and I was like no that's not a, an indicative of a stall at all or you know she's kind of adapted to where she is and I'm like it's not at all and then as the post went on as well then she said that she um she she'd always found that she lost on 1800 but for the last two weeks she hadn't and again I was like two weeks and then she said um and yes, okay, I have the odd days where I'm not sticking to my 1800 calories. And then it all ended with like, should I drop my calories? And I was like, okay, stop, everybody stop. And it's really, really normal as well, I think. Like when you get into the swing of things and you start to see these drops and all of a sudden you think, oh, you know what? Like I'm, I'm actually having a really nice balance here. This is going how I want to go. And you can kind of, yeah, your adherence can waver a little bit. And then as a result, your losses will be fewer and farther between. And then you think, okay, well, now I have to drop my calories. And it's like, no, let's go right back to day one, right back to basics and start from there again. Um, and I just wanted to flag that as well, because if that's happened, it's just a scale weight related. So it's kind of in context here. And um, that happens in every round with so many clients, especially grads. So if that is happening to you, or if that does happen to you, before any of you drop your calories, talk to Emma and I. And always, always, above all else, ask yourself, have I been adherent? And have I been consistently adherent? Not, oh, I had a really bad week last week, but this week's been great, like consistently. Yeah, and, and that's why we did that um, Google Sheets thing that you can work through that just offers you a little bit more reassurance of like, okay, th these are the checkboxes. Realistically, I haven't been adherent. And the problem, it like we're not saying, have you been adherent because we want to shame you for not being adherent. <laughs> the whole point is that we would never drop your calories before you've been adherent because that's a slippery slope then you end up this is how people end up thinking that they can't lose weight on 1200 calories when realistically they can lose weight on 1800 calories it's an adherence problem and then you you think you need to restrict more and more and more and you become actually less and less and less adherent and you get stuck in this mindset of I need to drop my calories massively to lose any amount of body fat then you do over restrict and then you do overindulge and that's kind of how the, the cycle tends to start so normally you actually don't need to change anything you just need to go back to the initial start point and actually have a bit of a reset and I get why you want to change things and this normally happens like it's called regression to the mean like almost all behaviors this happens essentially you'll start something and then you'll start to regress to where you were before so if you start tracking calories on 1800 then after a while you kind of start regressing to what you were eating before so portion sizes start to get a little bit bigger and that's totally normal and if you've been dieting for a period of time that is pretty normal to happen and often you don't notice it 
so you don't notice that you're having like a little bit extra here and a little bit extra there and then with you know three months down the line you're actually not in as big a deficit as you were when you started Mm. because you were far stricter when you started and what you really need is a bit of a like an audit week is what I call it so you go back and initially maybe you were even like weighing things out which we don't want you to do all the time right that's hugely consuming but go back to that brand new initial start point where you're like I need to stick to these numbers because you've probably just given yourself a little bit too much leeway Mm. and that is like happens all the time it's such a good tip when you get all in your head and you're all and it does tend to happen after a period of time of getting comfortable go right back to basics go right and and if that means you start with that self-imposed meal plan that you created a few months ago that you're so happy that you came away from because now you have more flexibility but hang on a minute things are starting to suffer all of a sudden you go right back to basics and as emma always says as well you know iterate on route you know okay so now I've been doing that for a couple of weeks and now I realize why I actually had more flexibility on the weekend and slowly bring it back but just it's all you're always checking it and check you always have to check yourself like in a relationship you always have to check you know <laughs> check in with each other is what my therapist calls it and just make sure that you're on the same page with the goal always okay Janice or no Janice <laughs> so bougie um I just wanted to say this way of working out and eating it's utterly fabulous I feel less quote-unquote burst and I'm enjoying eating well plus little treats like old like old school curly whirlies yes oh my god I don't even like sweets but I like cur- oh wait hang on no wait what was I thinking of I was thinking of a refresher bar ignore me oh, they're good do you know what I was thinking of weirdly I think it's because I read the, the word school I was thinking of those like turkey twisters that used to get at school oh yeah they were the best yeah okay but any of those anyway <laughs> it, says, uh, it feels sustainable well done Janice or Janice yeah. um no, she has to be Janice. You can't leave Arrol out there in the cold or on her own with the wrong name. <laughs> Janice, congratulations. You're joining Arrol in the cold. <laughs> okay, Colette. Um, currently looking at a 15 kilogram kettlebell that my friend dropped around for me just now. Hoping that helps a bit. Thanks, Chloe, for the advice today. The one who said I wasn't exhausted through a kettlebell workout. I know exactly what I know. I knew I knew immediately. Um, yeah, it was so funny. Colette was just like, you know, I and I'm doing these things and I'm getting to 40 reps and I'm still not there. Like, what what should I do? I was like, literally one sentence, you need a new kettlebell. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I feel like we look so lazy, but I'm like, it's just that simple. <laughs> Go heavier order a heavier kettlebell. Sometimes I do feel like giving like this huge explanation. I'm like, nobody actually needs it. Like we used, spend, we used to spend so long replying to stuff that could have just been one word that especially if you're just like where's this it's just like on the app I'm like <laughs> read the details tab well, that you do blah 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 because you feel rude but like just so everyone knows we're never meant to be rude but sometimes all you no, need no, no. is a one word actually on that one point on the we never mean to be rude and Emma has was like look we're not shaming you if we're like well have you been consistent well then no of course you're not going to drop calories and I think a lot of the time you have to you guys have to remember and I'm not presuming that any of you don't remember but if this ever does happen I think sometimes especially when people are hormonal things that Emma and I say could be received as like that kind of I don't know I guess too tough lovey but we don't care what your goal is 
we're there to like, we are like an automatic car that's steering you, but void of any care where the destination is. We are steering you to where you want to go. Um, and if at any point you turn around, you're like, actually, I just don't want to do it. We're not going to be like, all right, you're weak then. We're going to be like, cool, good for you for reaching a conclusion. Let's figure out the new thing. Like, we don't care at all. And on top of that, I think this often happens more at the start of a round where someone's like, oh, this is more calories than I've ever eaten. The reason you should trust us is that we have no bias here. Like we unconditionally want you to get results. Like our, our best outcome here is for you to get results. So anything that we suggest has your best interests at heart, always. Like that's what coaching is. That's why- paying us for? You- trade. But we don't care what we're trade, what your trade is. Like, you know, but it's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> okay, Hazel. Hi ladies. I'm sure you have already covered this, but can you explain how sodium intake affects weight loss? One of the side effects of having Addison's disease is that I crave salt and salty food because basically my kidneys don't know to keep it in my body. But will a higher than normal salt intake hamper weight loss? Absolutely not, no. It, so higher salt intakes can cause weight fluctuations and probably more likely in people who do keep salt within their body, not whose kidneys function in a way. So probably less applicable to you. Um, But no, salt doesn't really have an impact aside from short-term fluctuations. So what I mean there is salt can impact your weight short-term, but it does not impact fat loss in any way. Mm. But you probably don't want to take too much salt for health reasons, not fat loss reasons. But even then, you know how we say about water, like your your body's pretty good at regulating itself. And unless you really are going health level, trying to kill yourself with salt, it's likely not going to happen. Um, but I was going to say what Emily said, in terms of weight specifically, yeah, it can cause fluctuations. In terms of fat loss, fuck no. And and as Emma said as well, like if the issue is that your body doesn't store it, um, you know, as it should, as in, in, in the quantities it should, then yeah, you won't struggle like that. I would be I don't know enough about this and I'd be so interested to look into this in terms of as well like hydration protocols and stuff yeah yeah I'm assuming that you have a specialist who oh god yeah I hope so because <laughs> and also if there's something slightly wrong with your kidneys or they're functioning in a different way um make sure that you've asked them about protein intake as well because that would, that would kind of be one of our red flags I'm not really concerned about it because I've had a lot of clients who have had kidney issues and we don't set particularly high protein intakes anyway so definitely get it double checked by your doctor but we're you know like a lot of coaches are like mm, three grams per kilogram body weight like ridiculous amounts of protein which please it's not but even in the studies it doesn't show any improvement in muscle protein synthesis at all it's just like an upper end that has been studied but like i think it, it peaks it troughs um or peaks i should say it is it 2.2 grams per kg of lean mass and then it doesn't re- and then it stays there up to that but, but it doesn't even there's no point yeah no there's no point you've definitely saturated the response I think there was a study but it's been like it's a very dubious study it's on three grams per kilogram body weight and it did show increased lean mass but the reason that it's quite dubious is because the study author is also the owner of the journal and it went through a peer review process within 24 hours so normally peer review takes like months and months of like going back and forward and things 
probably much like book editing, right? So imagine you sent your book to the publisher and they were just like, yeah, it's out tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was maybe something else going on. And I would argue that like it would be so hard to get people to actually adhere to three grams per kilogram body weight. Unbelievably difficult. I, I, I've had clients who in the past have tried the carnivore diet and just said it was unbelievably difficult to do. And disgrace. I know, I can't. <laughs> Anki. Hi, ladies. Is there such a thing as too slow a rate of fat loss? Started on the 3rd of January and I've lost 1.4 kilograms, including being sick in the middle. Remember, Anki had COVID. Is this too slow or does it matter? I'm 57.1 kilograms and 53, sorry, five foot three. <laughs> I'm enjoying eating between 1,650 and 1,800 calories. That... <laughs> There's not such a thing as too slow in terms of your physiological health. There is such a thing as too slow in terms of your mental fortitude in the face of fat loss. Like clients really struggle. And another reason why we're, Emma and I are quite hell bent, if fat loss is the goal, please keep that in your head when I say stuff like this. But another reason that Emma and I are so hell bent on you guys staying adherent if fat loss is the goal is so that we can get the results sooner rather than later and stop fucking around with your relationship with food and your body and and this goal at the end of this then you'll be x and it's it's mentally quite draining and quite exhausting and while in one respect we want you to look after your body's long term and that does include being nutritionally and calorically conscious for the rest of your life like it or lump it you know, there's no denying that if you have a fat loss goal, you do have to be slightly more restrictive than you would be if you didn't. Um, so in terms of your mentally, we would rather do it as quick as we can while protecting the period of time that you're in fat loss. So it's a balancing act. We want to get there really, really quickly without starving you, without fucking up your relationship with food. But we do want to get there quickly because it's exhausting, like being in fat loss for over a year. And we know because we've had clients who've had to do that because of their start point. Um, but in terms of physiologically, no, there's no the downside of it happening slowly. And there's certainly no health ramifications of it. Yeah, I think the only problem is, and, and again, like we see this quite a lot in the industry of coaches, like the slower your fat loss, the better. And I'm like, that's like, sure, if you're bored as hell, like I, I would just get so bored if it was ridiculously slowly. It, it's so independent on how much fat you have to lose as well. And, and basically how much you want to quote unquote sacrifice. Like Anki, if you, if you want to increase rates of fat loss, you will have to drop your calories or increase expenditure or both like yeah. it's pro and con thing you're consistently losing body fat and given that you don't actually weigh that much like it's it's not like it's excessively slow and it's enough to be able to see progress but it's really the individual right does that motivate you the analogy i always like for this is the optimal for us the optimal rate of fat loss is kind of like how you would run a marathon like we don't want you to sprint at the start so that you have to stop and give up. We don't want to put you on a thousand calories at the start because you won't last three days. That'd be like sprinting at the start of a marathon. And we also don't want to put you on such, like in such a small deficit of like, I don't know, a hundred calorie deficit a day or something. Because that would be like walking a marathon. It would take fucking ages. <coughs> what you want to do is get that optimal pace where it is sustainable. You can keep this pace up for the full journey, but it's not too fast and it's not too slow. And for everyone, that's slightly different. And it's 
less to do with physiology than it is to do with psychology and human behavior. I love that marathon analogy. What a perfect analogy. That's exactly it. We like to, you know, I, I, I like to start my clients on as high as I can and then monitor them from there. But then, you know, make no mistake about it, I will say to them right from the off, like, we might have to drop you. So start thinking about how you would deduct 10% now and how you would increase steps, you know, down the line. And But you do, with a, a, most clients, you can actually, they're actually shocked at the rate of loss they get doing less than they've ever done because they can be adherent, finally. And that means they get the results. Why are you smiling? Just laughing at this is obviously a typo, but Tashal's just written a comment that says, Hi, quick question. That's it. <laughs> okay, we will await the quick question. Um, Candice, I'm in a really good place with the training and nutrition despite having COVID this week. That is phenomenal. There's so many people with COVID this week, and I've been really impressed with people's mindset of this is what I'm going to focus on. And there's nothing I can do aside from that everyone has COVID every single person I know in London has COVID um but just on that um that's great but the training situation I don't really want any of you training through COVID oh no she's not oh okay fine I thought you meant she was continuing to train despite the fact she had COVID oh maybe she did say wait I'm in a really good place with training okay no we definitely sorry But and Emma was like, that's great. I was like, Emma, read it again. <laughs> I thought she was saying she feels like... Well, maybe, maybe she does. I don't know. Okay, basically, let's do an overview. We don't want anybody training. I don't care if you feel like you can train. We don't want you to train while you have COVID. End of. That's it. I also don't want you to drop your calories. I don't care if you're not getting your steps in. We don't want you to drop your calories. There is some tentative research that dropping your cat or being in a big deficit so the likelihood is you will still be in a moderate deficit even if you're not doing much activity on the calories that you're in if fat loss is your goal on the calories that you're on even um but we don't want you in a massive deficit because that may impact your immune function and that's especially true when they looked at dropping carbohydrates yeah so actually a lot of the research does suggest and i'm still not going to suggest this but just to be completely transparent, even if it doesn't agree with my narrative, a lot of the research does suggest that you can be in a deficit and it doesn't seem to affect immune function. But if you're low carb, it does. Yeah, I've read that too. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, don't train with COVID. Okay, next question. <sighs> Hi, both. This is my first live I've made. P.S. My name is Irish and Joy. Right. Aisling? Ailing. Is it A-I-S? Ling. Yeah, Ailing or Aileen? Aileen, Ailing. It's not Aileen. Ailing. Ailing. Okay. A silent S and I. Sure. Okay. Georgina. Georgi- Georgiana? Georgiana. Yeah, you did this last time and I said, I was like, Georgiana is a lovely name. That is a nice I feel like it's too, what is it? It's like Italian. It's too yeah. Italian for me to call my child. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, you could call her Gigi, though. That would be cute. Uh, my, one of my best friend's daughter's called Gigi. What, what's her actual name? Gigi? Giselle. Oh, that's cute. Okay, she had turkey twizzlers a few months ago. They're the, 
they're dar worse than oh far worse than I remember okay Colette's just saying simple is best and often we work our way through to to the answer anyway at least you put, I love at least you put babe at the end of mine babe get a kettlebell babe need another kettlebell babe proper London that <laughs> no you need another kettlebell babe <laughs> wow oh my god I have to tell you what <laughs> I came back from the gym and I walked into the kitchen and there was this old man who I've never seen before in my life in the kitchen, in the kitchen playing the harmonica like professional harmonica and James was just stood in the corner of the kitchen looking at him oh. <laughs> what twilight zone have I walked into and the guy turned around and went oh hello I'm here to fix your dishwasher I can't fix it but I'm playing your husband some harmonica instead and I went wow I'm really happy you're here <laughs> what how long did he stay well then he turned to me and played me a solo and then he left and I was like what James is like I don't dishwasher. he was like I don't know what happened he said he couldn't finish the dishwasher and then he said tell you what I can do and took a harmonica out of his breast pocket and that's when I walked in well did you pay him no <laughs> what just happened <laughs> Anyway, carry on. Hey, there's a man, like a local man here that always plays the harmonica and then shouts at people. <laughs> always there in the same spot. Clearly it's the same man's instrument. Oh, my ex-boyfriend okay. um, ex was an actor and he was playing Cool Hand Luke in the West End. And he had to learn to play the banjo and the harmonica. And it was fucking cool. I can't, it's like really hard to do. And it's like, probably- well, yeah proper skill but like what an amazing thing to walk into today <laughs> that is amazing I remember when I lived at home this must have been when I was like I don't know 15 or something my dad walked downstairs and there was just a man like <laughs> asleep on our couch <laughs> he was like yeah he was just it, he just walked in I mean obviously we hadn't locked the doors so you know then we started locking the doors after that he was just asleep on the couch and then he was my dad like so polite always was like hello I think I think you might have I think you might have stumbled into the wrong home <laughs> and he was just like <laughs> he, and he was obviously like still off his face he was like would you like a cup of tea and he stayed for a cup of tea yeah this is I love this is such an academic response yeah like that like, I can so see someone I can so see the people that birthed you being like that my um what was I about to say uh oh that's how Robert Downey Jr like lost his Hollywood career before the big comeback he was off his fucking tree and he climbed up somebody's like wisteria and got into bed like completely he didn't do anything but like got into bed with a little kid and fell asleep and, they found, and then the next day he like went to rehab and everyone was like that's his career over and then he came back as Iron Man <laughs> wow jeez no right yeah. okay here's Tajal's quick question I okay. signed up to a 25 mile Yorkshire peak bloody hell um in eight weeks the training started as I get to get oh, sorry the training started as I get to the bigger walks about three three ish weeks ago oh no three okay so in about five weeks she'll start doing bigger walks I think is what she's saying she'll be doing 10 to 16 miles should I look to increase my calories to maybe maintenance on those days 
and the day before and go to three workouts with four walking training days, which will be two shorter walks for, yeah, does that make sense? <laughs> which will be two shorter walks for like a rest day, three to four miles. Oh, okay, so you'll do two long walk days, three gym workouts, and then two short walk days, which are like three or four miles. That's, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you can absolutely bring your calories up. And this is kind of just more like nitpicking, but you won't be bringing them up to maintenance. And this is where like people get really confused about maintenance calories. Your maintenance calories are your total daily energy expenditure. So if you're, if you're expending a load more calories, you'd need to bring them past like what you would, what your maintenance would be now without doing all of that walking and, you know, eat enough to fuel your walks as well. So you could either, I mean, if fat loss is your goal, I would bring them up by a couple of hundred calories, meaning that you'll still be in a deficit. So you don't want to eat back all of the calories that you've expended walking, or you could be like, I'm happy not to be in a deficit for my two long walk days a week and bring them up past maintenance. Yeah, that's but what I interpreted that she meant. I mean, yeah, I agree with Emma. And in terms of like, what is, what is happening here? In terms of your, um, your training, I, I don't think you need to dedicate, did she say what, how many days a week to walk, both long and short total? Four walking days. I don't think you need to do this walking. Like it's, it's, it's you, you should absolutely try and do some endurance stuff um, to, to prep you for it. But I don't think you need to dedicate four days to it. I think, you know, doing one to two days a week is enough of just basically you there there are various ways that you could try get your fitness levels up and try get your endurance up but as i say it's walking and to tell you're fit and you're strong already um which means you're gonna fare pretty well don't get me wrong like a 25 mile hike is no fucking joke and it will absolutely test you but i think it would test you regardless of whether or not you're doing four long walks a week personally yeah yeah I think, I mean, I guess two of them are just short walks, which are three or four miles. There's like, maybe you would do that anyway, but like a 10 mile walk or something twice a week is probably impressive. And she's only doing that three, like uh, five weeks out. Yeah. yeah. And I think look, I'm always really shocked by how hard walking up like mountains is. I was, and I did the Yorkshire, I did some hill in Yorkshire, right? I'm sure it wasn't even one of the big ones. And I remember thinking, I'm like blowing out my ass. I can't say anything because my dad was like 60 and in front of me. And then just as I was thinking, this is really hard. Fell runner ran past me, like just sprinted off past me. And I was like, oh. Yeah, it's, it's full on. I've, I, I've trekked across across Iceland on, you know, a five day hike and it, it it's full on. And it, it is, it definitely tests you, but two things that I just want to say is that one, if you are all already are already active, fit, strong and cardiovascularly fit, which I'm pretty sure you are to jail, then it will be trying. Do not get me wrong. And you should do some prep, but it, it, you'll be able to do it. Um, The second thing, yeah, is that look, it is still going to test you, but you'll absolutely be fine. And the third thing is I just think four walking days a week, it's just, I just think it's unnecessary. I think doing a long walk once a week to get you in that mindset of like, this is what it's going to feel like, this is what it's going to be like. 
you know, walking for however many hours a day between meals. I mean, I presume you'll probably be walking for, let's see. She said it's 12 hours. Yeah. And so maybe breaking that up into like a, a like a post meal or kind of a sa- sandwich between meal trial walk once a week would probably be really helpful for you, you know, at, at pace on an incline, for example, also psychologically. Like it's, it's going to be, there are going to be moments where you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, like I want to stop, but I don't want to fall behind and I actually have to keep going. And that's really tough. And that was how, what it was like on the paddleboarding challenge. I wanted to stop, but I didn't want to fall behind. I had to push and it's hard. It's mentally very hard, but I think four, you just don't need. And, and I think maybe doing one of those and then doing like a medium, maybe with a little bit more intensity to really kind of push that fitness aspect of it would probably be a really good idea. These are all just thoughts. And at the end of the day, whatever is going to make you feel really comfortable to prep for it. Um, I'm just saying that if you're like, oh, I can't really be asked to do four prep walks a week, but I'm going to do it. You don't necessarily have to. Agreed. <clears throat> okay, Candice. My concern is post to eight weeks when I hit where I feel happy with my body, I find it so hard to then maintain. I feel like I'm always losing or gaining weight. How do I focus on just staying at maintenance? Will reverse dieting help me be on a calorie maximum, but not gain weight? No, you don't need to reverse diet. That's more of a psychological thing than it is physiological. So we'll likely slowly increase your calories up to maintenance level. But that has more to do, like I said, with psychology than it does with physiology. Um, One thing that might happen is when you start eating more, you might start moving a bit more, which would mean, again, you can eat that little bit more because your maintenance would then be that little bit higher. I think this is this is less to do with physiology, though, and more to do with mindset. Like extremes are quite easy or having a distinct direction is relatively easy. What we want to do here is the make the behaviors that you're doing currently ingrained in your life so that they become almost like habits like almost like you don't have to put as much effort into them I I don't like saying no effort because there it will always be effort to go to the gym and there will always be days where you don't feel like going even though you should be going that day it's unrealistic to expect these things just to become completely effortless but they can become part of just what you do and who you are and that's that is the essence of like it becoming maintainable because obviously if you regress to what you were doing before you lost the weight, your body will also regress to where it was before you were doing your diet or before you were doing your exercise. So you do need to keep the same behaviors in. all that changes is the numbers. Like you still need to do all the same things, but you need to eat more calories at maintenance. And you could either create maintenance by reducing maybe a little bit of your steps and increasing your calories or just increasing your calories, but you'll still need to do all the same behaviors. And I think this is part of why we emphasize so much that you can't hate yourself into change. You can't resent the process because this is now your life. Like you will always have to train if you want to maintain the physique that you have. You will always have to be mindful of making sure you get in protein and you get in your fruit and veg if you want to have a healthy body like these are just things that you have to accept are now part of your life and start enjoying them like it's not it should be at least somewhat enjoyable I agree especially with everything that Emma said at the end there about having to basically accept that this is a way of life and it's not just like oh now I'm done I'll go right back to where I was you know eight weeks ago 12 weeks ago however long ago when when you came here um 
I like reverse dieting for psychological and physiological reasons, but it's because the psychology aids the physiology that we want to see happening on route as well. Like it's a lot of it is about your 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 psychology about not just basically increasing calories, you know, overnight. Um, a lot of it is about I, I I like the kind of encouragement that a lot of clients then feel like psychologically they have more energy to give to the gym. They have more energy. But physiologically, what's the benefit there? What I like to see happen ideally with me is that I will increase calories both for myself and other clients. And what will happen is things, while we put them, we give everybody a minimum step target, for example, per week. What I do tend to find happen happens anecdotally is that that minimum step target that they've been hitting in their fat loss phase organically and naturally starts to increase without them trying to aim to hit 79,000 steps a week, for example it just starts to happen that they start to feel in this, it could be psychological and or physiological. They start to find that their um, RPE in terms of their effort in the gym starts to increase. They start to feel better during training. They start to feel better after training. And as Emma's saying, and this is, this is the point where we are really aligned on the psychology of it. I find is a really nice bleeding people back into the life that they had before without going full whack into, okay, I'm done now. It's over. It's finished. What we want to do is we want to try and bleed our way back into a bit more normality around food and a bit more of a healthier relationship with food without throwing the baby out with the bathwater and undoing all of those habits that we've just spent the last two months putting into place. This, I do like a reverse diet, but there is- I don't think, I don't disagree with that, but I do disagree with the need to slowly increase calories from your deficit to your maintenance. That's what most people deem a reverse diet, right? Because yeah. they think you're, they're ramping up their metabolism. That's bullshit. That, like, if you're in a deficit and your maintenance calories are here and you slowly increase them, you're just in a smaller deficit until you hit maintenance. But in the context of ramping up your expenditure, it can work really well. I mean, I've seen it work really well. I have. It's just, it's the same principle. Like that. That's not defying physiology. You're not saying that. Like, yeah, sure. We know that when you're eating enough, you will end up moving more. But who, yeah. why would you, why would doing that slowly? If anything, I'd argue the other way where you bring straight back up to maintenance so that your expenditure would go up more than why go from 1600 to 1800 and then 2000 psychologically hundred percent get it physiologically. There's no need to do that. But then I also think it depends on where the client finishes the fat loss phase in terms of their body fat and what they've been doing and what their results have ended up being. So there are some clients that I would bring up quick, quick, and there's some clients I would do it slower. But it's there's so many different ways to do it. There's like a lot of coaches. I, I think we would do okay, it. Done, we'll just rise, rise you up now. And but it's it it kind of also depends on the client. If the client's like I I'm done, like I want to go up to two thousand calories now. We're like okay, fine, we'll fucking do it because we want ultimately the goal is for you to maintain your results or thereabouts. You know um so ultimately that's what we have to do but I mean I I we all do it differently I like to kind of I like to do it bit by bit and I like to monitor data as we go as well yeah and and I do it bit by bit but it's not for it's not because I'm slowly increasing their maintenance because that doesn't happen yeah what what happens is you're in a deficit for a longer period of time but that works really well from a psychological perspective yeah. And because we know that weight fluctuations will happen and people freak out about that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That, but also, that's something all of you need to get to grips with now. 
it doesn't matter if you're in fat loss maintenance or a muscle building phase and a spike calorie surplus, your weight is always going to fluctuate day to day, week to week, always. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. At maintenance, your weight will fluctuate. Okay. Annette, I ordered two times 10 kilogram dumbbells online as the weights I had before were not getting me to failure. Turns out I guessed wrong and they are now too heavy to lift overhead. <laughs> what exercises can I safely do to progress my strength for these exercises? I, it sounds like 10 kilograms would be really good for lower body. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I, my answer would be we can't, I can't, we can't predict. And obviously you can't either. <laughs> As my experiments have proved. We can't, we can't tell you how strong you are and how, what, what weight you'll be able to lift. And this is why it's tricky not being in a gym because you can't just go through a huge spectrum of weights and figure out where you're going to hit failure in the sets and reps range that we, we set you. Um, the only way to get, get stronger would be uh, without going back down to the weights that you were using that weren't heavy enough would be to order some new dumbbells or somewhere in the middle and work your way up to that 10. I know it's frustrating because you're like, I just spent loads of money on two tens, but the goal is to get you there anyway. So. Yeah, I guess one thing you could do, I'm just thinking like if you were doing say shoulder press, you could just hold the one dumbbell, something like that. And yeah. There will be things that you can do, but yeah, you're unlikely to be able to just like lateral raise 10 kilogram dumbbells. That's that's no joke. Fuck off. No, I don't think I've ever lateral. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh Karina, are you ready for this one? Yeah. <clears throat> Hi girls. I know you can't reduce, <laughs> I know you can't fat reduce an area. <laughs> but, but... <laughs> is there anything I can do to help my legs I carry a lot of fat there thanks right we're not laughing at you the only reason we're laughing is because we get this question all the time and it always starts with I know you can't spot reduce but can you spot reduce in my situation and the answer is still no unfortunately like are there things you can do to help your legs yes you can do lower body exercises which mean that you're going to build more muscle there they might look more toned um, but you cannot choose to lose body fat from a certain area of your body, unfortunately. And most women store more body fat around their lower body. Yeah. And I would argue now that I have <laughs> something about being pregnant. All my body fat seems to have just fallen down into my legs and I have a lot of muscle there that you cannot see it right now. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. So, I mean, it's just about fat loss and it's about being patient and waiting um apparently the name is ashling really i i know irish folk called aileen it's about the same without the g i always i was just so sure we were right about that ashling yeah okay <clears throat> anna silly question but please can you explain calorie deficit again it's not a silly question at all um so the easiest way to explain this is, I guess, starting with the amount of calories you burn during a day, which is your total daily energy expenditure. So that is comprised of just keeping you alive, your basic metabolic rate, the amount that you move, be that via just like steps and moving around and gesticulations, what we call NEAT or via exercise. And then also the amount of calories it takes to process your food. So all of that combined, that's your total daily energy expenditure. If you eat that amount of calories, you will maintain the energy levels that you have. If you eat more than that, you will start to store some extra energy, i.e. you will store that in fat as body fat. 
if you eat less than that, then you're in an energy deficit, you're in a calorie deficit. So that energy that you've expended has to come from somewhere, right? It, if you think of it like a bank balance analogy, if you've spent more money than you have in your bank, it's going to come out of your overdraft. Like it has to come from somewhere if you're spending it. Same with your calories. Like if you've spent that energy, it has to come from somewhere. So it comes from your stored energy, your body fat, and that's how you lose body fat. Yes. Yes. Okay. Claire. Thank you for all the information, ref, why the scales jump. Mine jumped up and I had a mini panic and then kept telling myself, trust the process before I'd have thought, F it. I just focused on my non-negotiables. Thank you so much. There you go. Winner. I know that seems like quite a, like a small thing, but actually that is fundamentally the difference between why you will get results this time and why you haven't got results in the past. Like it probably had nothing to do with like the diet you were on or the exercise regime you were doing or the fact that you ate 10 grams less carbs. It has everything to do with this time. You're not giving up yeah. like the most fundamental thing. And when people are like, what's the most common like denominator between people that get results and people don't get results. The people that do get results don't give up. That's it. So when you see the scales fluctuate and that's why we actually, as much as it can be quite tedious for us, we don't care about offering more and more reassurance. And like, if you're freaking out about the scales jumping and we can reassure you so that you keep going and you keep hitting those targets, that's worth it for us to write it out for the 50 millionth time that don't worry about the scales weight. Because that's what's going to get you results is that reassurance at that time point when you need it most. Yeah, and like to give it context, like I'm, I, you know, I've, I've always, I've, I've spent the last nine years of my career getting in like sick ass physique shape and being coming down to 12% body fat and being absolutely shredded and seeing every vein and every muscle pop and there's never I've never ever ever had a week where I got to that point pre kind of shoot this is when I was doing like big fitness shoots pre-shoot where my weight didn't fluctuate back up to start point at least once now imagine would I have actually started I'm sure a lot of you have seen the before and afters that I've got on my on my social media would I have ever got from that start point to that end point, which is like two completely different bodies. I mean, completely fucking different. If every time that happened, I'd stop. No, I never ever would have got there. I'm not saying any of you ever need to go that extreme, but that is an extreme example of scale fluctuations, even at that crazy lean physique, come weighing in the same as I did day one. I mean, it's you, you're never going to get there every single time, you know, you have a random scale fluctuation, you think, fuck it, it's not working. And you dive in the fuck it bucket. And if that happens and you, and you reflect, which is what Emma and I will tell you to do first and foremost, reflect, why did that happen? And you say, it's actually because I wanted to fall in the fuck it bucket. That means you've got dieting fatigue. And that means that we need to, to help you try and figure out, you know, potentially an untracked meal here and there, potential diet break, potential whatever to try and ease up on the diet. Um, but it's, yeah, it's every time that, you know, you guys all panic about the scale weight, it's just, we will try and find a different way to tell you, which is what that girl said in the, in her post about going back and listening to the beginning. We'll try and find a different to tell you that way to tell you that just being one of them. Like, it's just ridiculous. You have to take all of that, um, re reflection of your success away from the scales because you, you're never going to get it. You're never going to see what you want. Yes. Okay. Sarah, I've done it. The Yorkshire three peaks a couple of times and yeah. just used to walk three to four miles a day and a longer walk at the weekend plus strength training. It's beautiful. There you go. 
Okay, right. This is a very good question. Kerry, I have a mindset question. I just found out that Miles pooed in a box at nursery today. I always, I was, at first I was like, isn't Miles your husband? And that's Robin with a Y. Yeah. Um, how would each of you deal with this? Because I have no idea what to say and I can't stop laughing. I mean, I don't know why you've come to me for parenting advice. Um, Either of us, we don't have to, I mean, explain to him. We're going to have to start thinking about that. What if? Why did he poo in the box? Was it like a situation where like, it's now or never, never. And either it's going to be in the middle of the sandpit or in a box, in which case, bravo, he did great. Or was it just to poo in a box? In which case you need to go back to basics of potty training and be like, you poo? in the toilet <laughs> i think it'd be interesting to know why because i imagine that like yeah Kerry, could you just ask him why because he probably has like an explanation he's probably like oh i just i always saw the cat pooing in a box and i thought that looks fun Kerry, didn't you say that he got in trouble the other day for tearing up like plants in some allotment that, that all the younger kids <laughs> planted maybe he's acting out because you're pregs and there's another kid on the way maybe he's having a look at me moment because he feels like the attention is either already shifting or is inevitably going to shift she says that he found it hilarious maybe it's an attention thing he's just a lad no i'm joking (laughs) i can't think where he would get class clown from like i can't with carrie as a mother i don't know like i don't know where he's getting it like why it's, it's your fault, Carrie. Carrie, yeah. admit it. You poo in a box for fun all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read Carrie's post yet. I know she's posted because I got the notification, but I haven't read it yet. I'm already excited about it. Oh, okay. Oh, what it's about? I bet it's about the poo in the box. <laughs> I bet it's about the poo in the box. If any child psychologists listening are like, hmm, this is a common, this is a common theme. Um, yeah. Play. Isn't that what they call it? What do you call it? Well, I think in like porn, it's called scat play. Don't I don't <laughs> know that I'm into that it. That just took a turn. That took a turn. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I actually think most of the other comments are about this. Anyway, Louise, leg days are making my legs so achy and harder to run, and I have a half marathon in two weeks. Uh, do you think leave legs now until after, as it's too close? I realise longer legs are an advantage but two weeks is not long enough yeah I think you've got that perspective completely right I think start deloading a bit now and don't trade legs for two weeks 100% and then afterwards we can work on your leg strength yeah agreed um uh, there's mostly people just laughing at poo in the box oh wait here we go Hello, girls. I'm adding a fifth workout into my routine. At the moment, I do push-pull legs, full body. Should I do some cardio or add another strength session like shoulders or glutes, parts I want to improve? Thanks. Yeah, why not? Why not? As long as you're getting enough recovery before you add in another session, um, then make sure you're not doing like shoulders or glutes two days in a row. Why not? If you've got an area, if you've got another session you want to get done and you've got an area you want to improve, do. And you can easily do shoulders and glutes together. That's just... Yeah, I mean, every bikini girl does, right? Yeah, right? Bubble, bubble, bubble but, uh, Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Oh, I like your physique, girls. <laughs> Same as mine. 
yeah I think that's a great thing to do or like have a bit of a week you could call it like a weakness day I, I used to like doing that parts that I want to build up I do extra of or yeah just just a day of like doing extras on the areas that you want to work on yeah it's true if you want if you want an area of your body to look better train it more but just allow for recovery as well with that caveat in mind yeah um emma's just saying that it's learned behavior and that you should look at who's putting in a box at home the cat you have a cat carrie yeah maybe he wants to be the cat maybe see, this is the thing this is why emma and i always talk about this as well in our industry there's so many people who are like go off on these tangents these like psychology tangents when they're not trained psychologists in any way shape or form and they apply them to all these like abstract health and fitness things and we're like shut the fuck up she over ate because she was hungry relax like yeah. i'll never let myself that's be trauma from your childhood that's yeah. why it's like relaxed but like and i could be literally doing that now by being like maybe it's an attention thing because you have got to have a new baby and maybe emma's right maybe he just saw the cat shit in a box and was like <laughs> like try that see what the fuss is about yeah but I mean in this context I'm sure Carrie's not reading into that but I do think you're right like sometimes pathologizing these things is completely unhelpful like I I actually think I don't know if more often than not but a lot of the time what we pathologize as like emotional eating or binge eating sometimes has just become a habit of like overeating in the evening and habits are hard to break but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like underlying trauma or that you're suppressing something. You could just be like, oh yeah, most nights like we sit on the couch and actually what I associate with sitting on the couch watching TV is also having a box of Pringles. Yeah, and it that doesn't feel completely mean that you're like subconsciously, yeah. I don't know, like numbing your emotions. You're just like, oh no, that just became a habit for me. And that's much easier for us to deal with. No, it's so, so true. And like, it's just, we see it a lot with like food restriction stuff. People are like, and then I can't stop eating it when I start eating. And it turns out the problem all along was that they were restricting it for weeks or months at a time. So of course, when they finally got their hands on it, they went into some kind of frenzied behavior of eating. When actually, if they just left it in like a bit a day or a bit every couple of days or whatever, that never, you can see quite clearly you can have it and stop. It's not a problem. Also, um, I've just realized the advert for Pringles is like binge eating, right? Once you pop, you just can't stop. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones now. Bertie's sighing, he's bored. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we have been here a while. Right, last question. Claire Wynn. Imagine your last name was Wynn. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> If you want to get married, Claire, I'm here. Um, okay, any tips for best kettlebells or resistance band to buy for home workout? So there's a resistance band link on the EC method members area, which is the one that we suggest. And I don't know about kettlebells. They're all much of a muchness. A kettlebell is a kettlebell is a kettlebell. There you go. They're not meant to be fancy. Fancy. They train, yeah. they, they, I think they were invented to train the Russian military who, if, if it's anything to go by, they're clearly not the best piece of equipment to have. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right, okay. Well, there we go. Bye, Bye guys. Have a good weekend.